Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network. Follow us on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all of your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, love us on iTunes. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me, not always, but most of the time, Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, and is severely disappointed in the lack of Manhurst gifs released this week by the Panthers. I knew you were going to say something about that. Yeah, well, first of all, are we going to be okay with the word with GIF instead of GIF? I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know whether we can start this right off the bat, but I'm pretty sure it's GIF. Am I wrong? GIF is a peanut butter, not a... Not I a, always say GIF. Is not it not a fun GIF? response. I think it's a GIF. I don't know. I know uh, our, our guest and, and Colin is being very patient. They're not speaking before they're introduced, which I appreciate, <laughs> uh, being very professional. But I'm I'm thinking GIF, uh, and yes, come on, dude. How can you how can you grow the Manhurts Hive without uh, without gifts? You know, and uh, like, come on, that's that's just a it's a real it's a real hashtag missed opportunity, if you ask me. Missed opportunity, and I still say Jeff. I've always said Jeff. Is that really not right? You can't see me, podcast audience, but I am making the grimace emoji or emoji, maybe. I don't know how you pronounce it. Apparently. <laughs> it's a mogi. Yeah, it's an emoji. It's called Nikki Speak. Well, let's bring Colin Hoggard in, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, and has been sitting in his office playing Cutty Cut Right on his headphones on top volume for the past 72 hours. Is it Jeff or Geff? Tell me. Tell me it, I'm right. Well, first and foremost, it's a recharge, not a rebuild. And second of all, it is GIF, despite the fact that the creator of the GIF calls it GIF, but he is wrong. So it is GIF. I say either or. I say, how is it either or? It's definitely one, one or the other. That's not how it works. That's not <laughs> how words work. Can't be like, well, I disagree. It's not a tomato-tomato situation, although that is exactly the same. Right? Mm. So I guess it is a tomato-tomato situation, a GIF-GIF situation. Let's call the whole thing off and let's just call the whole thing off and bring Uh in the (laughs) guests. On the one-day contract this week, Walker Mail, co-host of the Wake Up Call on ESPN 730 The Game, co-host of the Locked on Hornets podcast, and still hasn't quite figured out the perfect Dave Matthews deep cut when bringing Josh onto the radio. Of course, everything's about Josh. Welcome, Walker. Yes, thank you. I'm glad you guys had me back. I really appreciate you having me on. And yes, I I have not found the deep cut yet, but I may or may not have gone to my Dave Matthews band source, which may or may not also be my sister texting all of her group of friends in a big group chat to give me all sorts of deep cut DMB songs. So you will have your deep cut DMB song next time you make a guest appearance on the wake up call. I'm ready. I feel like I want to come on like maybe once a day for a week and we'll just, we'll have it be like Dave Matthews week. That'll, that'll really drive away all the listeners, right? (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure that would be an excellent tease for everybody to listen in. And real quickly, before we call the whole off, can I give my opinion on the GIF GIF debate? Here's the thing for me. I can't stand that we all have to pick one side of this because what ends up happening is that I don't know what to call it anymore, and therefore it ruins jokes when you want to try to have the word GIF or GIF in there. And so now I don't even know how to say things anymore when I want to reference that stuff. Like, I just want to be able to call it whatever and us be okay with it. And now some of the jokes are ruined because of that. Like, I I just, the debate, it's always made me uh, roll my eyes as much as I possibly could. Okay, but if you say GIF, 
everyone knows what you're talking about. That's if right. you say GIF, people might think it's a peanut buttery surprise you're talking about. I, I think the audience was mad confused when we mentioned more Chris Manhurts peanut butters. I think everybody was pretty sure what was mentioned. I don't think anybody was going to peanut butter when we mentioned Chris Manhurts, GIFs, um, or GIFs, whatever you want to say. I, I'm just accepting of both words. Thank you. More man hurts peanut butter. If we did, uh, <laughs> if we did titles of the show, that would probably be it right off the bat. Just knock it in there. <laughs> there we go. The one with the man hurts peanut butter. You're welcome, everybody. Absolutely. So we start the show with Nikki's super important question. So this week, give me one bold prediction for the season. It does not have to be Panthers centric. So one bold prediction for the season, and whoever wants to go first, go ahead. Can I take everybody behind the curtain for a second? I know, uh, like, there's always because someone actually asked me about this. Where after Nikki's super important question, there's always like a pause. We we have show notes, like, so we know what we're going to talk about. But then Nikki always comes in. The whole point of the super important question is that it kind of comes out of nowhere, and we don't know what we're gonna what the answer is going to be. So that's why you always hear like she's always like, and whoever wants to go can go because we're all like. I don't have a good answer. Like I'm not going to be able to say anything. I'm really right now. What I'm doing is I'm doing Colin and Walker a favor by stalling for them. So they can come up with something really good. And then when they're talking, that's when I'll come up with my good answer. That's why I'm podcaster of the year, 2019. So did we ever decide the order on that then? Or did you just leave it awkward between two people now? Does it just eventually the awkwardness dwindle down to one person? Pretty much. Colin, do you want to set us up? (laughs) All right, I'll go first. There's been a lot of talk about the Cowboys possibly having 3,000-yard receivers this year. I think if anyone does it, it's actually going to be the Carolina Panthers. Wow. So, uh, Manhurts, Moore, and McCaffrey, <laughs> the three M's? With those, peanut, with, with those peanut butter hands. <laughs> gonna a, throw to Manhurts. It's going to be a peanut, peanut butter, butter hands, season. Peanut butter hams, he's jelly in the end zone. Yeah, it's a bit of a bold prediction. I, I do think that, that you will see CMC and DJ Moore get there, and I think Samuel and, and Robbie may work against each other. But for the sake of a bold prediction, I'll say that one of them gets there. I like it. I like that. It's bold. It's spicy. I like it. What do you have, podcaster of the year? Um, here's my bold prediction. My bold prediction is that um, one of the following three teams does not make it to their respective championship games. Uh, Baltimore, Kansas City, and the Dallas Cowboys. I think everybody is penciling those three in for three of the four slots um, at the very least. And I think that one of – this is how it always happens, is we always have – it's always like, well, just pencil in Kansas City for 14 wins. they got 20 starters coming back. And all of a sudden, somebody gets hurt. Um, you know, it, things happen. Things kind of spiral out of control. And then they're, you know, they're 10-6. and six. They, they lose – you know, nobody thought Baltimore could be beat last week, last year in the playoffs. And that certainly didn't happen very quickly. So I, I think that – one of those teams um, is going to, whether it's injury, whether it's just they don't play up to ex- expectations, um, I, I think that, you know, you just pencil in those three teams, and uh, I, I'm not sure that that's going to be the case this year, especially Dallas. I mean, they always disappoint at some point. 
All right. So me being next, I'm going to go with another kind of disappointment in, you know, with Josh kind of alluding to one of those teams not making the championship game. I think San Francisco isn't going to win their division, which I don't know if maybe a 25% outcome is considered a bold prediction, but I think that the Cardinals are certainly on the rise. I think the Rams are certainly good enough still to compete in that division enough to win it. And I obviously have Seattle as much as anybody. I think people would be really scared of them. And so with San Francisco losing a DeForest Buckner and replacing him with a rookie like Javon Kinlaw, as much as I like him, I think that's going to be a big deal. I think we on the corner at the cornerback spot, Richard Sherman had a really good year last year and I don't expect that to be replicated. And I think with the offense, I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo believer. I, I do believe in Kyle Shanahan. I do believe that they have a good amount of weapons. I just think that San Francisco is in one of those divisions that a lot of teams are either mediocre or have a chance to take a step up. And I think San Francisco is going to be a team that's on the outside looking in when it comes to first place. Yeah, I mean, Super Bowl hangover, right? Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're a team that just kind of, like, they were real. They were good last year, and it doesn't. It seems like there's a pretty easy path to them um, not being as good. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, they're you know they're eight and seven going into the last week and battling with uh, whatever I don't know Philly for that last playoff spot. And um, uh, how about this? Can I? I don't know. This is the. Can I make a less bold prediction? Um, I'm gonna. That would be to hard. The, based gonna, on your based on your first one, that would be the, the toughest. I'm gonna. Do, I think. I'm going to refer to the Raiders as uh, the Oakland Raiders at least 10 times over the course of the next four days. And um, I'm also going to probably refer to the Chargers as the San Diego Chargers. And uh, in my private conversation, I'm going to make fun of the Washington football team. (laughs) And that is why you will win Podcaster of the Year again. There's my bold prediction. Josh Nominee. Nomination. Podcaster of the year every year. Does anybody else get nominated for this, or do they just like give it to you? It's a uh, it's it's a pretty private affair, um, but uh, but but it's kind of like uh, yeah, no, no, nobody else does. It's a it's a, it's a one horse race, one horse race, and I make the trophy myself. The Kleinies <laughs> are an, an accepted, celebrated award show, though. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, kinda... it's yeah, it's it's really long. The award show is so long. A lot of musical performances, um, which is uh, which a lot most people don't like. The audience does not like the musical performances. But you know what? I'm not giving it up. It's my well, it's, especially my show. when they're all Dave Matthews Band performances. It gets a little old. It's true. Well, they're mostly covers, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk roster. Looking at this, any surprising cuts? Joshua, podcaster of the year, we'll start with you. Well, I think that the only um, – it. my hope is that somebody's listening to this for the first time and it's like, man, he must have just won an award or something. He's really talking it up. Um, uh, welcome, new listeners. I would like to say that obviously there's only really one surprising cut, and it's Kenny Robinson, right? Uh, Fifth-round pick. Nobody expects a fifth-round pick to get um, released and then come back to the practice squad. My – Here's the thing. I am a big believer that day three draft picks are crap shoots no matter what. They are rolls of the dice. They are shots in the dark, dart throws, whatever metaphor you want to use. If one hits, then that then you had a good draft. Last year, Dennis Daly is a sixth-round pick and is penciled in, started guard, although he's not going to start on Sunday because he's hurt. 
Um, but I mean, when you can get a guy in the sixth round that can be a contributor and be a starter, that that's a win for me. And so, yeah, Kenny Robinson, I think a lot of people were surprised. I think a lot of people saw that interception that he had in the XFL and assumed he was going to do that on every single play. Um, he can, he can get better, still a young guy, but to me, it's like, I, I wasn't particularly impressed with him at camp. Uh, he, it's not that I wasn't impressed with him, but for a fifth round pick for a guy that's playing on the second or third team, I, I never really noticed him. I was, I was never saying, Oh, nice play by Kenny Robinson. He was just kind of out there. And ultimately that that's not good enough to in the NFL. Like you have to impress in order to make the team and guys like Sam Franklin, um, they, they impressed. And so, uh, I think that, you know, that that's really the only surprising cut to me other than the, the F.A. Abada kind of saga that happened. But uh, he's back now, so I don't know if you can even count that as a cut. Walker, what are your thoughts on the cuts? Yeah, I, I think that was the only one I arrived at, too. And the reason I thought Kenny Robinson would make the team, one, of course, he was drafted, but also in a pandemic – and without you being able to evaluate these drafted free agent guys in preseason games, I thought that Marty Herney and the scouting staff might rely a little bit more on the scouting reports that they did have on these games that were played. So they would lean a little bit heavier on the guys they actually drafted, therefore making Kenny Robinson someone that did make the team. And it's not like you have this big depth at the safety spot. There's not a whole lot of depth anywhere, really, on the defense. And so I thought Kenny Robinson would be able to do that as well. And another thing is Pro Football Focus really liked him, which was interesting. I remember talking with George Shahari and, and about, I think it was at the beginning of May, and he specifically pointed out Kenny Robinson, even compared to all the other guys, which I thought was interesting. I think every other player was mentioned, Chin quite a bit. Of course, the first-round pick is going to be mentioned. Even YGM somebody was mentioned a lot. But Kenny Robinson was somebody that he specifically picked out, having looked really good, even if it was a short amount of time at West Virginia. And then Josh just mentioned the kind of success that he had with the XFL. And so the small sample size we did get to see, it was good. And I thought the scouting staff, including Marty Herney, would rely a little bit more on that than maybe going more towards undrafted free agents. And I'll tell you, it's not a very good sign if you were a guy that was drafted. They don't rely on you as much in a pandemic. And training camp is enough to exploit you. It's not a good sign. If Josh wasn't impressed, if Marty wasn't impressed enough for him to be on the team. And so it's unfortunate. And, and that was the only surprise that I think when I looked at everybody that was cut, uh, Kenny Robinson was the only guy that really came to my mind as well. Based on our conversation from a week ago, the, the, the cut that didn't happen is the one that surprises me. I, I'm surprised that they're taking three quarterbacks into this year. Uh, I, I think if you get P.J. Walker or Will Greer into that game, it, it's going to be it's going to be a loss anyways. I think you guys are talking about Kenny Robinson. You know, it's, it's tough to judge this year as much as any other, more than any other. So I, I'm surprised that they kept a guy that I don't I don't think they can win with. Like I would rather see if you're in a situation late in the season where you need to play quarterback, would you rather see Will Greer quarterback or Christian McCaffrey? If you were really trying to win a game, I'd rather see Christian McCaffrey quarterback, I think, than Will Greer. So I, 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 with a young roster in a retooling, rebuilding, recharging year, I was a little bit surprised by that one. This ain't a rebuild. This is a recharge. Sorry, I just it's it's very catchy. So it's like once you once once it gets in you, you say the word rebuild and recharge. I'm gonna I can't help myself. Uh, it's like an earwig. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, and I, I said it last week, and I said it, I've said it the whole time. It, there was never a choice. They were always going to keep three quarterbacks. And then when we talked to Marty, he said the same thing. So it's like, 
I think that they they were always of the belief that they needed three quarterbacks on this active roster. And I think that the idea that they feel like they have three quarterbacks that can play in the NFL, three starter level, whatever, that's all just coach speak. And But in my mind, it's like they, they feel like they want three guys and they don't want to expose one of those two backups to being picked up, which uh, in reality, Will Greer is, a, is still a third-round pick. And uh, P.J. Walker was heavily sought after after the season. So, I mean, I think that – if, if you expose P.J. Walker to waivers, somebody's going to pick him up. Um, and so you need to if – you, if you think you might possibly want him on the roster, you got to keep him active. And so that's, that's the reason why. But I look at what the, the decision with Robinson, uh, cutting a, a fifth-year draft pick in the year he's drafted, that's fine. But it feels like we're, we're, we're believing that Will Greer is still going to be something. I don't – and that to me is one where I, I just don't see it. So because it, to me it's, it's not a 2020 play for a guy like Greer. It's going forward. And so that's fine. I'm just not a believer in him. One more thing, and I I don't think we should spend a ton of time on backup quarterback because I feel like we talk about it like every week for the past few weeks, and hopefully we'll never have to talk about it at any point during the regular season. Um, I I think that what I saw from Will Greer during training camp, and I think this is one of the reasons why not having preseason, um, it, it makes it harder because I think that had we been able to see two games, three games of Will Greer during the preseason, you might have said to yourself, Hey man, that guy looks like he could be an NFL backup quarterback. Not again, not an NFL starting quarterback. I just want to be clear, an NFL backup quarterback, which is there. I mean, that, that is a valuable resource to have in the NFL. And what I saw from him during training camp, that's what he looked like to me. And real quickly, because backup quarterback combo is so intriguing and that's also a great tease to keep everybody here and not turning it off. Um, Will Greer is some, and PJ Walker. I, I think that Marty Herney has always, for the last few years, talked about evaluating quarterbacks under the lights when they actually get into game performances. And I do think he believes that it's something I think Bobby Bethard always talked about, and that was his, uh, that was his teacher, if you will, at the general man- uh, manager position. And I wonder if they really just can't figure out, even if Will Greer, by all accounts, performed better than PJ Walker did. Uh, in training camp, I still think they're probably pretty scared as to have him as the backup quarterback to thrust into a situation where he might have to play instead of maybe a P.J. Walker. I just I think the lack of preseason games, it, it really did that position a disservice evaluation-wise, more so than any other position on the roster. I think it did all the positions a, bit a disservice. When you think about all of the all of the guys that make that we always talk about the guys that like they fight their way onto the roster in the preseason, but it's like how about the guys that get out there and they don't look like they belong in the NFL? Like there are a bunch of those that happen every single preseason, and ultimately we don't ever see we haven't seen that happen because they didn't get a chance to go in the preseason. So maybe a guy like Stan Thomas Oliver, a guy like Miles Hartsfield, or a guy like uh, or even Sam Franklin, you're going to see something. You're going to in the first four weeks of the season. You're going to say, man, these guys, like, I I think we're not done. I think these first four weeks are going to be almost like an extended preseason where you are going to see some more roster churn from these guys where you're going to say, hey, man, this guy just isn't, even on special teams, it's not going to cut it. So, and maybe, and maybe they'll just pop guys up from the practice squad and and make that move. Um, But I, I think ultimately the way that this, like, we know it's a weird year. It's COVID like forming this roster has been weird and hard and, um, and next to impossible. So I think that they are going to have to, uh, they're going to have to continue to make moves and churn, especially on a, on a young, young, young roster. That's not supposed to be good. There are still going to be, uh, there are still some moves left to be made. 
Josh, you had mentioned the saga slash drama over FA Obata. They're calling this a calculated risk with what happened. Are people kind of making a bigger deal about this on the outside? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, Marty Herney did it um, last year, too, with Elijah Holyfield. Released him the day after regular cuts, let him out there for 24 hours, brought him back to the practice squad, and never really was an issue. I, I wonder if for, for, for us, we were all like, oh, how do you, how do you expose F.A.? And it's like, to other teams in the league, like, does Cincinnati care? Well, like Cincinnati's a bad example because he had his only good game against them. But, like, is Seattle like, oh, man, look at that, like, F.A. Abada on the waiver wire. Like, I, to me, it's like he's a great story, uh, one of my favorite guys on the team from a personal standpoint. But ultimately, like, it's a defensive end that has, what, like eight tackles in his entire career in two seasons? So I just think that for me, it's like, yeah, they exposed him. Probably they exposed him instead of Marquise Haynes because they felt like Marquise Haynes had a better chance of getting picked up. So, uh, I mean, same probably goes for Kenny Robinson. So I, I think that it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it was a calculated risk. And, and, and personally, I'm glad that he's back on the roster because it's like, I, whatever. You're, you root for the guy because he's the, the best dude in the world. And, uh, and so it's like, uh, for me, I don't. I don't think it was that big of a deal across the league, if that makes sense. No, and this is a guy like it's. It's great that he gets to be here. I think everybody's excited that he gets to continue being uh, a Panther. But he's he's a guy at this point. Um, and you've drafted uh, Gross Matos. You've drafted Brian Burns. You're drafting guys at this position that you uh, obviously view as a position of need that he has been here and played for. So it's it, it's he's a nice he's a nice guy. I think everybody likes having him here, but. He's not really an impactful player. Well, yeah, and and you know what? It worked. Like, it was a calculated risk that worked. You know, there's a reason he's back on the team, and if Marty felt like that was the right decision, and it, it proved to be true. Um, and I'll tell you this, even though they don't have a whole lot of depth on the defensive side, if you had to pick a position in which there is at least some sort of depth, I think pass rusher is it. You know, it, it hurt a little bit when Christian Miller decided to opt out for reasons certainly that – uh, you can understand why, but even with him opting out, you have Weatherly, YGM, Brian Burns, Marquise Haynes, I, you know, F.A. Obata, if, if you were to lose him, it, it, then that would be the one position in which you actually had some sort of depth. I'm not saying they have a bunch of world beaters at that position, but you get the idea. And so, yeah, I'd, I'm glad that F.A. Obata is a part of this team, too. Are, am I happier that he's a part of this team because the story's awesome or is it because he's a really good football player? I think I have to go with because his story is awesome. He is the fifth defensive end. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, he, I mean, he I, was, I think, you know, he and he and Haynes are going to fight for a spot on the active roster every week. Like one of those guys right. is going to be inactive every single week. So uh, it's like, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, yeah, it was, it hurt. I think a lot of people were kind of surprised by it, but it's like, if you just look down the roster, there are not a whole lot of other guys that you could have released. Ultimately. And, I, and I think it's really a story because he tweeted about it and then mm -hmm. tweeted shortly thereafter. Like, I think if, if this 24 hour plays out and he's like, Hey, happy to be back, you know, with the team, everyone's like, yay, we still got FA. But instead it was like, whoops, age like milk. Yeah. I also think that I also wonder uh, is like, did Marty go to FA and say, Hey, listen, we're going to release you, but if you clear waivers, we're bringing you back. So like, don't like, you're going to have a job either way. And to that, like, obviously nobody wants to move preseason, but like, I mean, if, if the idea is that you're going to kind of sweat it out for 24 hours and then still have a job at the end of it. 
whatever. Whatever. I said that in an FA accent. Pretty good, I think. Yeah. Good job. Thank I think you. We need to take away your Kleine for that accent. <laughs> somebody, somebody take it from him. Walker now gets your Kleine. That's his right. now. Give it to it's me. It's a melee. <laughs> so now that we're at the full 53 how do you feel about this roster should we throw in a bonus game right now a bonus uh cam to kk oh yeah that's fun i love cam to k1 um i see it's like i okay here's the thing about the 53 i didn't feel good about the 53 three months ago and i don't feel good about it now like it feels the same uh i feel like i gave it like a, a bat paradise Last time, Daryl Williams. So that's where I'm at right now. Uh, I'm at Caskey, a solid Caskey. I think he's 61. Um, yeah, like uh, this. This is not a good roster. This is what defensively. This is one of the one of the youngest and maybe worst rosters in the NF, in the entire NFL. So I, I think that you know it doesn't. It didn't get any better by cutting it down to 53 or aging over the past three months. So I, I'm going to go with Matt Paradis. What, what units are you like specifically are you looking at that you don't like out of this 53? Just out of curiosity. Sure. Uh, the secondary, the sure. linebacking core, um, the defensive line. I like uh, the depth behind the depth in general. Um, mm -hmm. I would say the offensive line, like, I, I mean, the offensive line, and I guess that's it. Like, I like, I like the wide receivers. I like the – obviously, I like the running back. Um, quarterback, I think, is fine. But, like, offensive – I, I, I said it before, and I'll say it again. The two most important position groups are offensive line and secondary, and this team has huge holes in both of them, or huge question marks in both of them. Um, Who so, says those are the most important position groups? Who said that? Did Belichick say that? Was there, a, was there a discussion I missed out on? I just said it. You just heard me say it. <laughs> I thought it was quarterback this whole time. I thought it was quarterback. Son of a gun. The, the secondary is the, the group that I have the issue with. Depth is certainly a concern. If this, if this group gets hit by injuries, it goes sideways. But you look to me, I look at all other groups, and you've mentioned the linebackers. Well, if I get to include Jeremy Chin as a part of the linebackers with Shaq and Tahir Whitehead, I feel a whole lot better about that. And to me, it really is it's the secondary is the biggest issue. I said Russell Okum, 76. There's, and most of that work to me really is to be done in the back end. Yeah, I was when I was thinking of this, I guess I went, my initial answer was Brian Burns. And because of that, I was kind of going more with the 50-50. I mean, I feel okay. I actually think the starters, for the most part, are decent enough until you get to the cornerback specifically. And Colin, I agree with you. Jeremy Chin, if you're going to put him at safety, if you're going to put him at linebacker, he helps out one of those units and, you know, wherever he goes. I, I'm a fan of Jeremy Chin. We don't have any NFL experience to go off of, but it's just a guy that I'm excited to see this year. And so I agree. I do feel good about those guys, uh, about Jeremy Chin helping out whatever unit he plays with. It's just the depth is not good. And injuries happen all the time, and so you have to account for that. But also, Matt Rule and Phil Snow were adamant about rotating guys constantly, and it's why that they were so good at the end of games in college, and it's because they had fresher bodies, and at the end of seasons in college, because they had fresher bodies, they preserved the bodies as much as they possibly can. So I feel good about the defensive line as a starting unit, 
And then you have to go to your sixth round pick in Bravion Roy and Zach Kerr, who's never been able to stick around with a team for a long time. I, and, and you're talking about, you know, even Stephen Weatherly, who was a rotating pass rusher. You know, you're talking about second round picks. Like, even with the depth here, if you're really trying to stay to your philosophy and what you did in college, then those guys are going to get significant snaps and <laughs> the opposing offense is going to be able to exploit that. So that, that's something that you have to account for. The depth matters not only just for injuries or people that might take a snap or two off, but if they are going to be adamant sticking to that philosophy of bringing in fresh bodies all the time, then it's going to be a bigger problem when you don't have talent that's all that deep on the roster. I know this isn't exactly what we're, we're talking about, but what you just touched on is something I think is going to be critical this year. And it's they're, they're going to get – I think this defense is going to get trapped on the field at times, whether they go small. I, this idea of constantly being able to switch in and out and do these things and dictate and all, sounds great, except for when the offense decides that they want to, they want to go no huddle and then they keep your, you know, your, your tiny group out there and then they run the ball down your throats, which I do think is going to happen this year. The depth in the secondary are the two biggest things that, that, that I see – issues for this team uh, as far as competing this year do you guys think and I, I don't know whether this is uh maybe too existential or maybe it's just me but do you get the you get the sense a little bit sometimes of like reinventing football like that that they're like well we're gonna do what we're gonna do on defense is like stuff that you've never seen before and like I, I just don't I mean maybe they would maybe they're maybe they will but to me it's like I feel like there's still uh they're, they're still like it's still football like they're gonna go up against John Gruden as John Gruden's gonna be like oh yeah you got three safeties out there okay here's how here's my here's my response and then it's like oh it's like oh now Cornelder's coming in okay well here's my response to that like I, I think that it's it's one of those things where I, and I, I don't know that's the thing is we are we're going into this thing blind just like everybody else so we're kind of making a lot of hypotheticals. But sometimes the way that they talk, it's like they say that they're going to do things differently than they've ever been done before. And I, I just don't – I don't know if that is actually possible. Well, and I kind of equate it to NBA discussion at the beginning of it. It's where every coach comes in with a new team team and they said you know we're going to play fast we're going to be in the top 10 in pace this year we're going to score a lot of points we're going to shoot all the modern shots that the game says is the way to win now and then maybe that's true for the first two weeks and then eventually you might fall off I think maybe that happens with the Panthers where you try to experiment with a bunch of different things maybe you say hey we're going to do um, something that reinvents the game and then eventually you have to go to some of the basics again like it's okay how prolonged are these initial ideas? How long are these things actually going to stay in effect? And in reality is a lot of times they just don't. Eventually you go back to normal stuff as you continue to go on in the season. And, and not just normal stuff, but stuff that actually works in the NFL right. because people have actually thought of putting fast guys on defense before you showed up. Um, <laughs> Positionless <laughs> football? What? Yeah, that's right. now, oh my now, God. Do you like is – is Bruce Arians like what? 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 What, what position does Justin Burris play? They got two guys under outside linebackers at depth on their depth Bra chart. Yeah, Brady's shaking his head. I should have stayed in New England. What am I doing? Right. These these guys in reinventing the game down here. Brady's in the NFC just constantly South. calling time, just burning all three timeouts before the first play. What's Flustered. happening? Him and Arians are throwing clipboards at each other by the third quarter. Um, you said you talked about this this coaching staff. Do you think we're getting a full Chip Kelly type? We're reinventing, or is this gonna, or or is there too much PR associated with Chip? So we're gonna try and do all the Chip stuff, but not do the 
not talk about it like Chip. Here, like, what, here's what, the what, thing I hope we don't get from Chip Kelly is the fact that Chip Kelly thought his offense was player proof. Like he thought his offense was so innovative that he could literally throw anybody there. It doesn't matter if you were somebody off the street. And he was such a genius that that offense was going to work. I really don't get that feeling from Rule or Phil Snow or Joe Brady. Like, they know they need the horses to do it, where Chip Kelly just figured they could do, do it with anybody. I really hope that we don't get that. And it seems like they're not – they don't have the ego that Chip Kelly does. We're going to see it on the field. All we can go off of is their comments and how much you believe them or not. Who knows who's right in any of this. But at least that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of vibe that I get from all of them in the comments that they make. Matt Rule has been talking a lot about special teams, but – Honestly, is this special teams unit any good? Josh, I'm, I'm, Joseph Charleston, it sounded like you guys were not keen on him. Sounded like we hadn't seen a whole lot. And then it seems like he's, he snuck through. Feels like we could find a punter if we could find any position. Just got to be more consistent, man. Like, I, like, listen, he boomed some. Like, I'm not afraid to sound like – I mean, yeah, he boomed some. He also put some over the fence and, like <laughs> – and. Well, I'm sorry. Like that, that happened. That is it's like a wild thing. We got a wild thing putter here. <laughs> but like, you can't do it in the NFL. Like you cannot go. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. Like if you go into this game in week one and the first punt and you bang the first punt 50 yards and then the second one goes out of bounds seven yards downfield, like you can't be the punter week two. Like, I'm sorry. If you put so, two punts, ter- if you, if you punt terribly for one game, you're, he's going to get cut. So it's like it's it's all good that he made the team. I'm I mean I'm glad that he did. Uh, like whatever, he's a young punter. It's great. I, I don't think I, I don't think Michael Pilardi should be putting his house up for sale anytime soon. So the the, the issue is here. Either he's going to outkick the coverage, or he's going to shank it. Uh, Only one thing. Yeah, I understand why he's there. Makes sense now. Do you guys remember Matt Dodge? Do you remember like that was yes. his MO? Yeah, he, he had the leg. It's why he got an NFL action. And there were just some awful, awful decisions where eventually you just can't live with it. I mean, it's, it's certainly the same with a kicker too. You, one bad game can make you rethink the entire position and cut a guy for that one bad performance. So the fact that I remember seeing you guys tweet about that and – you can only laugh. Can you imagine watching a Carolina Panthers game and watching one of these punts go out of bounds after it gets to like, you know, maybe 15 yards past the line of scrimmage? I mean, that would be ridiculous. Bro, these punts, I was there. <laughs> these punts would be in the stands, the, in the empty stands with the cardboard cut out and the cinnamon toast crunch emojis. Those guys are going down from these Joe Charlton punts. I'm sorry to say. Like, yeah. I, and, and hey, he seems like a very nice guy, and, and uh, you know, I wish him the best, and I hope that he never does it in a game. But ultimately, like, he might, and that, 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 you can't do that in the NFL. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it doesn't bode well that it happened in training camp where here we are trying to evaluate. We talk about the lack of preseason games. You know, it scares me that it happened in training camp where I would imagine even with there would be less pressure. I mean, maybe there's more pressure to make it. I don't know. I'm sure there's pressure because they did bring in a punter. I get all of that. Still, if it happened in training camp, it absolutely could show up in a real game. Apparently, it was a one-legged punter that could also kick. I'm a little bit confused, but hey, it's 2020. It's uh, I, the other thing with with um, with special teams unit is it's not just kicking and punting. It's like all these guys. It's like they're th- this is a very young team. And that trickles down to the guys that play special teams. So, like, the Gunners are going to be young. 
the guys that are blocking downfield are going to be young on kick returns. Like Matt Rule has been has made it a point to say that they are going to focus on special teams, and, and I'm just I I'm just I want to see it. Like I'm I'm excited to see what that means. Like why like why say that? That's the kind of that's what I mean when I say like reinvent football and like bringing college games to the NFL. Like we're going to be fo- we're going to play so much harder on special teams than other guys. And it's like I promise you, the Raiders are playing hard on special teams. Like they're they also want to cover the kickoff really well. So that yeah, yeah. go ahead. Sorry, Walker. No, 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 you're good. I'm just I'm worried about that area too. One, we got guys that are punting into the stands a couple times in training camp. You know, Joey Sly is a kicker who never kicked above 76% in college and only kicked at 78% last year. Extra points were a problem. He was 30th in the NFL in extra points. We couldn't find a guy as a punt returner or a kick returner to just hold on to the football. So they said, screw it. Let's go get a pro bowler in Pharaoh Cooper. And another interesting decision is this has never been a team I think you would look at and say, yes, that is a great special teams franchise and what do they do with Matt Rule and all the coaching staff coming over Chase Blackburn one of the few holdovers I I, I was confused by that they like, held they kept two guys they yeah. kept two guys on the coaching staff the what the first guy they kept is the running back coach that coached Chris McCaffrey to a the third thousand thousand season in NFL history and the other guy is a special teams coordinator that allowed two punt returns for touchdowns in the same game I like, didn't get it right it's if, if that's going to be your foot, like, it's just – it doesn't – <laughs> No, your that, hand signals are telling us everything. It's, it is an audible medium. I will remind you the Kleine Award winner for that. But, yes, your hand gestures, they do suggest a lot of problems that are going to go on with special teams. So good to have a professional on the show this week. <laughs> now, Colin, I know you wanted to talk a little bit more about that creating disruption style of defense. Yeah, I think this has got to be the way that they that they go. I mean, you look at the guys they brought in, with the exception of Apple, who's obviously um, nicked up. But the other guys, Dante Jackson, Jeremy Chin, these guys got ball skills. Trey Boston, I think what this defense has to do, because if they just sit back and try and play some kind of cover three with this young defense, these, these teams are just going to eat them up. I think they have to try and turn into an aggressive defense, try and close down the, you know, the, the time that the quarterback has, force those throws quickly, and get turnovers. To me, this is the recipe for how this team has a successful season, particularly with this defense, because uh, if, they just, if they just try and play straight up, I don't think, they, I don't think they've got the, the horses, as we've talked about, particularly in the back end. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to have to take some chances. Like, I mean, I, I think that's how you – that's how when you are a team that is less talented, that's how you win. Like that you, – you just said it. Like, if you don't have the horses, you have to force – some chaos and and force some turnovers like that's the only they're they're not going to be able to st- honestly I don't think they're going to be able to stop teams but if they can if you can produce two turnovers a game I mean you can give yourself a chance and, and well, with, with KK and Derek they should be able to collapse the pocket quickly mm-hmm. yeah and Brian Burns has Brian Burns has looked very Burns-esque uh as a pass rusher so i think he can be another a guy that can collapse the the collapse the pocket from the outside so if you can if you can make it um i mean if you can if you can force them into mistakes and then take advantage of mistakes which was something the panthers were not good at doing over the past uh, 26 years like basically sub for 2015 like so i was trying to like end 
the the time when they were good when they were bad at it and i just kept going back further and further in my mind i was like well ricky manning jr was pretty good at it i guess mm-hmm. um chris gamble so i i think that it's like yeah I, that's how you have to win like dante jackson troy pride have to be i mean you're gonna i do feel like you are going to see them go for interceptions and either get them or or not and if they don't then Let's get oh, the ball. Let's get, let's get yeah. those thousand yard receivers if they don't. Well, and that was the problem with Dante anyway, because he certainly doesn't have any problem trying to go for the interception. Like, I, I think the conversation certainly around Dante, it changed from the first year where it's somebody that just needs to be a little bit more disciplined, but we really like him going after these interceptions because he comes up with them every once in a while, certainly at the beginning, I believe, of his rookie year. And then last year, he did not hit on those gambles. I mean, we can even just remember that one time where he had the high-flying interception. I believe that was against Arizona. And what else happened with Dante? It's why you have to be scared to death of the cornerbacks. Like, even the secondary as a whole, I do feel okay with safety. Trey Boston was good. I mean, he was legitimately good last season. It was the one guy, I think, on Mondays where you weren't criticizing nearly as much. It was Eric Reed not being able to cover ground, and it was Dante Jackson being crazy undisciplined where Bradbury was, you know, was fine enough on the other side. They have Troy Pride Jr. out there. And another thing I'm interested in what you guys think, I like Troy Pride Jr. I thought that was a good pick by all counts. I think most people were, were fine with it. He's a smaller guy too, though, and and I just wonder with the NFC South division, if you were making moves that indicate you do want to be competitive and win a decent amount of games this season, these big wide receivers in this division are going to be able to body whatever cornerback you put out there until you signed Russell Douglas, which is the bigger body in the room. So, okay, but it's still a guy that was available for a reason. And so I just – I wonder – the cornerbacks scare me to death. Like, there's – it's not even just the secondary as a whole. It's the guys on the outside that are going to be the biggest problem, and it puts so much pressure on that defensive line to make the quarterback uncomfortable. Well, it's not just the, the defensive line, but it's going to be that entire front seven. I, th- there's no doubt that the, the weakness is going to be the secondary and, and the youth of this secondary uh, as well. It, it's really more about trying to get in that quarterback's face and trying. You're not going to stop them every every drive. If they get to drive, if you don't turn them over, it seems like they've got a decent chance of scoring against this defense. So I think turnovers have to be uh, the way to go for this this defense. And what we'll, Walker, we've been talking about it here on, on, on the podcast for a while. I just look at this offense. I feel like this offense is ready to go, and this defense is not, and that's one of the reasons why I've had the, the recharge, rebuild kind of conversation going on. Yeah, the offense, I mean, the offense does look good, and it's funny to see the national perception of this team. I think we all agree on the defense. I think we've kind of echoed the same stuff. But with the offense, you get a much better quarterback this year in Teddy Bridgewater. You get a guy like Robbie Anderson where you have three legit good wide receivers, in my opinion. That's a big deal. I like Ian Thomas, and if they're going to, you know, charge up Chris Mannards, if you will, then that's a decent – we all like the skill positions. It's interesting about the offensive line, too, because for a long time, it's been the interior offensive line that's been a strength for this team, and now it's the tackles. And Matt Paradis is scary because you just hope he can be whatever he was in Denver and not what he was last year. John Miller and, you know, whatever the guard is going to be, Dennis Daly until he gets hurt and then it's Schofield. Like, that's the weakness, and I think that's the reason why this offense fails. That's the biggest question mark. It's the interior offensive line. But if that doesn't fail, and if they're just okay, then, yeah, I do think this offense can put up a ton of points. And it, it's the NFC South, all of the offenses are going to be crazy scary. Take the over in all those games. 
Looking ahead to Sunday, where did the Panthers have the advantage against the Raiders? Well, I think this is the same thing we just talked about, right? I think on offense, the Panthers, when you look at this, when you look at the wide receivers that the Panthers have, and obviously I'd, I would include Christian McCaffrey in that group. Uh, I get it. He's a running back. But um, they are – those guys are nightmare matchups for any team, and especially for this team. I, I think Corey Littleton is a, uh, is a good cover linebacker, but ultimately what, he's going to have to match up with either Curtis Samuel or Christian McCaffrey on almost every single play. And I can tell you, that's where Teddy's going to go. And uh, that's going to be – that's a mismatch for any linebacker in the NFL. And when you look at this cornerback group, this is a team that was, thirty, I think, 30th or 31st against the pass last year. They went out and they drafted Damon Arnett in the first round. He's playing with a broken thumb. Like, I, I don't feel like they're that much better in the, in the secondary than they were last year. And um, I, I think that when you look at this – this offense, like they can go out there and they can take advantage. It, it is going to be uh, a lot of points scored for the Carolina Panthers. And they're going to have to, I think, in order to win the game. Yeah, it's funny. You look at, you mentioned the defensive backfield for Las Vegas now, not being all that much better. They got Oakland. LaMarcus. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I wanted to say Oakland for sure. But they got LaMarcus Joyner. You mentioned Corey Littleton. Funny enough, Littleton was somebody that wreaked havoc on the Panthers in week one last year. I think like mm-hmm. forced fumble interception. And now he's going to be doing it again. Um, but it's funny that you have the defensive backfield for Carolina where we have just talked about how scared we are with the cornerbacks. At least you're going up against a lot of inexperience on the other side with the Raiders' offensive weapons because one of the veterans they had in Tyrell Williams is out for the season now. So their oh, wide right. receivers are third-rounder Brian Edwards, you know, first-rounder Henry Ruggs, and then they got Lynn Bowden doing whatever he's going to do, being crazy versatile. Hunter Renfro isn't all that old in the NFL game, even though he looks 30 years old. He's not all that old in the NFL game. So – there is going to be a lot of an inexperience that our inexperience in the defensive backfield is going to be lining up against that changes when you get to Tampa Bay. So um, yeah, don't expect the same stuff, obviously, but still it is at least a nice way to somewhat ease into the NFL game going against rookies and, and, and not having to go up against established wide receivers. And, and so that is something that makes you feel a little bit of ease, at least in week one with the defensive backs that Carolina has. Yeah, I really look at that that Tyrell Williams injury as one that Panther fans, most Panther fans won't realize, but I think it has a big impact, particularly uh, week one for the Raiders here as we you know discussed our secondary issues. The another area that I think the Panthers uh, have an advantage is that there's no Khalil Mack uh, like there was last time they, they played the Raiders. Because <laughs> yeah. if you remember, 2016 was the Khalil Mack game. Yeah, um, I, I just think that this is when you look at their season schedule, not to pull back too far, but like when you look at the 16 games that the Panthers have in front of them, like this is one of the winnable ones. And so if you, to me, this is a really good measuring stick for Matt Rule and where his team is to say like, oh boy, like we're not ready for, because week two is not a good measuring stick. Week two is, is, is going to go poorly, I think. And so if you can go out there and you can be competitive, you don't even have to win. You don't even have to beat the Raiders, I don't think. You, if, but if you go out there and you don't look as – and you look overmatched by Vegas, it's going to be a really, 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 really long 2020. And, um, 
and so it has to start now. I mean, you have to go out there. You got to put up a lot of points. You have to at least you have to cause some wreak some havoc on defense. You got to cause some turn. You got to force some turnovers from Derek Carr, um, and, and and let the chips fall where they may, and show that you are ready to be uh, be an NFL team. Well, and even with the turnovers, you know, Derek Carr is somebody that is also deemed the checkdown Charlie, kind of like what Teddy Bridgewater was. And so I don't even know how many opportunities are going to be for interceptions, but I do think they're going to be for forced fumbles. And that's why I think tackling is a big deal in this game for Carolina. Oakland, or there I did. I just did. <laughs> I did it. Dream. It. Uh, Las Vegas is offensive line. They're really good. And if it, our defensive line is like the biggest strength on the defensive side. And so if, Las Vegas can neutralize Carolina's defensive line. It's going to be up to Tahir Whitehead and the linebacking core, Shaq Thompson, to make the tackles on Josh Jacobs, who is a really good running back. And oh, by the way, broke a ton of tackles as a rookie last year. Tackling is going to be huge for this Carolina Panthers defense. And if they can't tackle, then you have to rely on a guy in the secondary, like a, uh, a Dante Jackson or whoever to do it, then that's going to be a problem. So tackling, and then even specifically the linebacking tackling is going to be the biggest uh, thing that the Carolina Panthers need to take care of. Just real quick that, on that, Josh Jacobs, second uh, most forced missed tackles, according to PFF yeah. last year. And, and I would think that the defensive effort would, stop, would start with stopping uh, Josh Jacobs, particularly because of the inexperience that you mentioned, Walker. So, we're going to find out right away when this defense has been bad in the past, particularly here over the last decade, it, it's been long runs, big plays, blown coverages. We'll, we'll see if, if it's the same, um, but I, I'm optimistic. I think they got, everybody's got a lot to prove here in week one. I think we'll see better tackling than we've seen before. Is there anyone else you guys mentioned Jacobs? Is there anyone else that they need to be focused on? Who else do they really need to be stopping on this Raiders team? Well, you know what? I think, Jeremy Chin is interesting to me right away because they have a good tight end in Darren Waller. Yes, I knew that was I was I knew you were going to say that. Is that is that what you yeah, uh, yeah Josh was that's uh, yeah, the guy. He, he was going to say the same thing, he swears. Uh no, Darren Waller is one of the better tight ends in the NFL and when you get one of these real versatile hybrid guys like a Chin or somebody that we passed up on in Isaiah Simmons, you know, the the, the crazy matchup nightmare tight ends are really uh, the kind of equivalent on the other side to that and I wonder just how much we do see Jeremy Chin lining up against one of those guys I think that's a matchup that I don't know how much it happens you know John Gruden really creative play caller I don't know what he's going to do with a lot of the different weapons but I, I would love to see Jeremy Chin get at least a handful of snaps where he is responsible for Darren Waller I, I completely agree I think this is your that you're throwing him into the fire I mean it's trial by fire for all these guys Troy Pride specifically but Jeremy Chin like it, it's a it's a really hard matchup right off the bat, and this was a this was the guy this was an assignment that used to go to Shaq Thompson, right? Like for the first few years of his career, they would go up against one of these mismatched tight ends. You're like, we'll just six Shaq on him for the whole game, and now I don't think that's the case. And now I think it's Jeremy Chin. And uh, we talked to here Whitehead earlier uh, Wednesday, and he said, um, and he was like, you know, whenever you put him out, whoever you put him on he's a mismatch for. So if you put him on somebody small, he's going to go out there and play basketball and, and, and jump over guys. And if you put him on somebody uh, big, he's just going to, he's just going to run right by it. And so that is why for Jeremy Chin, who is both fast and fairly big, I mean, he's not Darren Waller size, but he's six two two thirty, I think like that, that's a good matchup. Like he should be able to at least uh, cause Waller some issues. 
And so uh, to me, that is the matchup that I'm going to have my eye on the most, more than Troy Pride versus um, versus Brian Edwards or uh, or Henry Ruggs versus Dante Jackson, which is how I think the cornerback matchups will go. So should be, yeah. But who knows? I mean, Phil Snow may not even put any corners out there. Like they they he runs a unique <laughs> defense. Like it might just be all defensive. Like they may have eleven defensive linemen out there, and they'll be like, "What's what are we going to do here?" And then, then asked about it after after the game, they'll just say, "Sometimes you just got to have uh, what do you call it? balls." <laughs> <laughs> On Monday, if we are talking about a Panthers win, who had a big game? How's is Derek Brown a bad answer? Like I, I think that. Uh, if you're, I mean, you got to stop Josh Jacobs number one, just like you guys said. And if if they can hold him up front, if Derek Brown can be a disruptor up front, then I think that would make a big that would go a long way. And you put them in a second and second and long, and you force Derek Carr to maybe make some decisions he doesn't want to, and, and then you can kind of build on that. But I, I think Derek Brown to me, and then it's good. It's like the most obvious answer there is, but like Christian McCaffrey has to have a huge game in every single win for them, for this team. Like he, he can't, he can't have, you know, 14 carries for 80 yards and this team wins. It just is never going to happen. He has to have 200 total yards at least, and probably two touchdowns for them to win. And I know Colin is going to say something. <laughs> I, I want to, I want to take, I want to make you make a bet right now. I'm ready. 200 yards a game. Here I was going to say DJ Moore. Here I, here I was going to say Curtis Samuel. But you're like, no, it's, there's only one dude. Um, I, I, think, I think Teddy Bridgewater. I think Teddy Bridgewater will be the guy that ends up having the game, distributing the ball um, around. I, I, think, I think – is it wrong that I feel like Brady should look good in this one as an offensive coordinator? Like this should be one where I feel like he – we're like, yes, this is the OC we've been looking for. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's totally fair. Like, I agree with you. And what I'm interested in, I think we had this conversation when North Turner was making his debut as OC2. How much is he going to show you week one? Because I do think this is one of the few chances with a team that's not all that great to get a win. Do you just go guns a-blazing? Hey, let's show a lot of stuff in order to confuse the Raiders right off of the bat. And I'm going to reveal a lot of stuff, but we're going to win because of it. Or is there a lot of stuff that he wants to save too because you don't even have a division game yet? Like it's one game. And so you have 15 games. Like I, I don't think he's going to show the complete playbook. I'm just interested in how much of what he brings. He is going to reveal in week one because it is a winnable game. So I'm with you, Colin. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a guy that I wrote down and really I, I put like Teddy Bridgewater and two pass catchers, you know, whether it's any combination of the guys you mentioned, it can be McCaffrey. It can be Ian Thomas. It can be Curtis Samuel. And, and I, Robbie Anderson is a little hard for me to gauge this year. I think he's the hardest to gauge for me at least. Um, you left out one pass catcher Walker. I know that's your guy, peanut butter. That's it. Absolutely. Chris Manhurst. Oh, yep. peanut butter. Mr. <laughs> peanut butter. <laughs> we're going to see what he does. But, yes, I think two pass catchers, Teddy Bridgewater. We're talking about a Panthers win if you have that kind of combination perform really well. What's Teddy's stat line going to be? Give me uh, some predictions. High completion percentage, 244 yards, and two touchdowns. And no, and no interceptions. That's how you win. If he throws an interception, they're going to lose. Is, is that a bold? Is that bold? I mean, if he throws one interception, they're going to lose. 
No, I don't know. Do you think it's more bold than the Raiders just having Nathan Peterman as a backup quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I went I went more bold, I think, with Teddy Bridgewater. I, I, I don't trust this Raiders defense. They weren't very good against the pass last year. I don't look at that defensive line and think they're really scary. And you mentioned the one so they selected um they selected Damon Arnett. They they got Tanner Muse, who apparently did not have a good camp, and they got Lamarcus Joyner to help the secondary. So Lamarcus Joyner really is the only guy that I expect to help the secondary in this game, and it means they're going to be bad again. I expect Teddy Bridgewater to give us a game over 300 yards and give me three touchdowns. I think they're just going to score wow. a lot of points. Yep, I'm going with Teddy going 300 bills or three bills and then give me uh, Teddy Bridgewater having a good game with a couple of those receivers I'm talking about, three touchdowns. I, I don't trust this Raiders D. That's I'd fun. Like to I like that I prediction. I'd like to return the stat line from Teddy that I bought from you, Josh, and I'd rather get Walker's uh, <laughs> stat line instead. <laughs> Mike Davis, though, what, about, what do we think about him? Week one, is he getting is he getting touches here, or or, or do we think this is going to be another McCaffrey? I know we know it's going to be McCaffrey heavy, but is it going to be as heavy? I think McCaffrey, or I think Mike Davis has. If I put the over under at five and a half carries, I would take the over, and I know I set the line, so I, I get to do whatever <laughs> I want. But I would take the over, which I think now that's uh, bold. Huh? Are there any? Is there? Were there any running backs last year outside of Week 17 that got more than six that got six or more carries that were not named Christian? I mean, you would have to go Jacksonville with Reggie Bonifin. I mean, I, I don't know if he got five or six. I don't know but, if he even got six in that game, but I'm going to check. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be the game that you would go to. Which, by the way, I mean, I didn't watch Mike Davis in training camp, but I'm so disappointed that Reggie didn't make the team. Like, when we talk about the lack of preseason games – it was interesting because we were all looking at Elijah Holyfield and then Jordan Scarlett, this fifth-round pick, and it was because of the preseason games that Reggie Bonifant got that job, and all he did was look good Anytime I ever saw him with the football in his hands. And here comes Mike Davis, who's bounced around a couple of times and one year had over 30 receptions. That was about it. But give me the – don't give me the thunder and lightning duo. Give me the guy that does a little bit of what Chris McCaffrey does in both regards. Like, give me the guy that can also catch the ball out of the backfield like the former wide receiver did in Reggie. I was upset about that. I shouldn't be upset about backup running backs, but I was when he didn't make the team. I just thought I'd been here. Um, by the way, Reggie Bonifant, five carries for 80 yards against the there Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Five carries. Um, yeah, it, I don't know. I, I've said this before, but I think that – you know, if you take away that $3 million, I think if, if Mike Davis and Reggie Bonifa were making the same amount of money, I think everybody would have been like, yeah, okay. Like, but the fact that he's making $3 million, everybody thought that he was a foregone conclusion that he was getting uh, a cap hit. And ultimately, like, I, I mean, he's an NFL running back, a backup running – or yeah. an NFL running back that I think yeah. is, you know, is what they sure. wanted. Sure. I realize it's ridiculous to be mad about that, but I am and I can't help it. Um, Mike Davis is somebody – I think, yeah, I would agree with – was Mike Davis getting more than the five and a half line that you said? I think they're for real on this. I was naive enough, though, to believe North Kerner and that coaching staff the second time around. Like, I was, <laughs> naive enough, I was naive enough to think, okay, I think you can learn from your mistakes and want to save McCaffrey a little bit more. Way wrong on that. Uh, but a different coaching staff, I do think Mike Davis is going to get more than uh, what um, anybody really got last year. Man, they were handing – if. Honestly, if they just do the, if they just use common sense and how they use Christian McCaffrey, right, then Mike right, Davis right. will be on the field a ton more than anyone else was last year. 
Uh, because, like, last year they were down by 20 points and McCaffrey's taking runs up the gut on second and nine. Like, it just didn't make any sense. So uh, that was when I started my, like, maybe they're just going to run him through his first contract and then just cut him after, like, type of feeling. Right. But obviously that is not what's going to happen. Shall we play a game? Let's do it. We love games. This week it's let's make some money. I'm going to give you a line. Tell me what bets you're taking. We'll start with Panthers plus three, and I'll go ahead and put the over-unders 48. Uh, I am banging that over so hard. I'm putting so much. It's Josh with $3 signs over here for for the over uh, on Sunday. I, I think that's way over. Um, as far as the line goes, I, I mean, I – I think Carolina – I think this is a winnable game for Carolina, and I think that I'm going to take Carolina plus three at home. The Panthers have uh, faced the Raiders six times. They're three and three. The only three times they've ever lost, they've scored less than 14 points. So I'll take Panthers plus three. I'll take the win here. I think Panthers get off to a good start. Same thing. Give me Panthers plus three. I'm absolutely taking the over as well. Both pretty easy calls on my part. The plus three, more so harder than the over-under. I'd give me the over all day long, but still feel yeah. comfortable with Carolina plus three. Is there – if there's like a I, – I wonder if there's like a one of those alternate lines on the over-under. Like I would go over 52, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Like that, that one was easy for me. Out of all of these that we have, I mean, that was the easiest one for me. So you're saying 28-24, basically, Josh. Right? Yeah. I'm saying I think it's going to be like more like 38-33. And, like, uh, and Joey Sly is going to miss two field goals and Joe Charlton's going <laughs> to kick it out of bounds a bunch. I'm just telling you, if this offense – and it's one thing if they get, they get some short fields, maybe the defense makes a play at Thieves Avenue, stuff like that. If this offense puts up 38 legitimate points, y'all ain't going to be able to tell me nothing – Nothing after Sunday. Nobody was telling you nothing about the offense in the first place. <laughs> I'm just saying, 38 points, I'll be skipping through Belmont. <laughs> if Manhurt scores two touchdowns, I'm doing this podcast right. drunk next week. <laughs> and you will never call it a gif again. That's right. <laughs> what about finishing position in the NFC South? So first is plus 2,500, second plus 800, third plus 300, and fourth minus 300. Colin's not going to like this. Oh, no. They're not finishing fourth. They're not finishing fourth in this division this year. Who's finishing fourth then? The Falcons. Atlanta? Uh, I I actually, I feel like Atlanta's going to make a little bit of a jump this year. Uh, I think uh, to me, it's like I'll I'll, I'll pay the juice and take uh, fourth place. You know what? Uh, Mulligan year, they're learning nothing. You know, there, there is nothing. If they go three and 13, four and 12, five and 11, I still think that could end you in fourth place, even six and 10, or maybe even seven and nine could put you in fourth place in the NFC South. So I I think just from that perspective, uh, I will go with, uh, fourth, fourth. Anybody else? Just me. I'll go fourth as well. Like, I will say this. I didn't know I could hedge on an actual bet where there's two decisions, but give me fourth here. I, if you made me choose what I think is going to happen, I'd go fourth. But like, I kind of like that plus 300 at third spot. Like, I, they're, not, they're not going to finish in the first two. But if you're just saying, oh, well, here's a shoulder shrug bet for you, give me that third with plus 300. I kind of like that. 25 to one that Joe Brady is the next Sean McVay and uh, 
and Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Matt Ryan all blow their ACLs out? No, you're no good deal. with two 40 year old quarterbacks, both going to look great this year. They're not going to have any problems. They have shown no, no signs of slowing down over the last couple of years. And, and, and the end always comes very, very, very slowly for these guys. Fourth. Now they're not going to finish fourth. Uh, actually, Brady and these guys, Brady, Brady and Arians, it's going to take them a little bit of time. Week two, we're stealing that one. This team's going to be three and one after, after four weeks. <laughs> Panthers seems to be three and one after four weeks. Oh, I like man. The, look, the I Saints, love that. That is exciting, and I love that enthusiasm. Well, you know, I mean, look, if Brady can get somebody to deliver the ball to Mike Evans down the field – then maybe they'll complete some passes. I, I'm just not buying it. I'm not buying it, not quickly. Um, the Saints the Saints are still the top dog. I'll take them one. I actually do think the Bucks and Brady get it figured out later on in the season. Give them second. I think the Panthers do finish third because if Atlanta quit during this season, would it really surprise you just like every other year that the Falcons play? You know what, you guys? I think you might have sold me on this third-place bet. Like, I, I might be uh, – <laughs> I mean, like, Dan, Dan – really, three this to is the one, year Dan like, Quinn. Who cares? Dan Quinn in his ninth season, like, yeah, now we finally got it. Matt Ryan grows a spine. You could probably man. bet third and fourth at 300, plus 300 and minus 300, and then just break even completely, and then you have <laughs> got money all over the place. That would be very – Josh is uh, on the fence playing both sides there. That's, that's very on-brand for you. That's me. Just a reminder, there are seven playoff teams this year, so that third team in the division, extra little chance to make it in. Oh, now we're putting him in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm yeah, just, I, no, I just, I just, I just throwing out a little fact there. I didn't say, I didn't make line? any prediction. I just noted the additional uh, playoff team this year. Anything can happen, right? Every every year we do this. Every year we do this, and there's some team lurking out there. Nobody, not one national writer, has actually taken the time to look at this Panthers roster this entire offseason, despite the pandemic. Let's go. Let's play some football. I got this. <laughs> Well, and, you know, Tom Brady may be without Mike Evans on Sunday, and they don't – we don't know how hurt he is. So, Is, is Arians going to protect his quarterback? He hasn't done that in 20 years. We'll see if – maybe Brady can take, take getting hit like that. Panthers fine. plus 525 to make the playoffs, in case you're curious, according to oddsshark.com. Where does that put him in the NFC? Can you ballpark that? <laughs> I'd imagine it puts him seventh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make easy money here. That's what's going on. Um, I want to throw out just a couple more. Let's do DJ Moore yards, 1,050.5. Over. Bang it. Josh I'm, with $3 size. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Give me the over on this, too. I mean, over 1,200 yards. I get the thinking that – you have more weapons to throw to a better quarterback could, you know, spread the ball a, a little bit more around. Give me DJ Moore over, over the 1,050 given here for sure. Like, I'm banging this over too. I feel like Nikki thought that I was doing the wrap it up signal, but really I was doing the Arsenio Hall whoop it up um, <laughs> this because I love this thousand, this bet. Um, and uh, I, I really do. Like I think uh, DJ Moore, yeah. I've said it for, I've said it for the last two months. Like this guy is going is making is about to make the jump to uh, elite wide receiver. The other line that I really like is over eighty nine and a half receptions for him. Um, all the way by the by the way, these are all real lines. So if you want to go bet. out there and yeah, if you want to go out there and bet, uh, as long as it's legal in your country, obviously or in your uh, state, get out there. And Josh, I just thought money. you were um, 
channeling your PD Pablo. <laughs> Isn't that a North Carolina thing? Yep. Raise up. <laughs> I thought, I thought, all right, let's do one more. Let's do a Teddy B one. Let's do passing touchdowns, 23 and a half. I'm going over on this one. I actually think the one area that this offense could struggle will be in the red zone, particularly running the ball. So I think that actually opens up some more opportunities where in the past old number one would just, uh, just run it in. I think Teddy B gets those in the passing form this year. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree too. Uh, 23 and a half. It will give me the over on Teddy Bridgewater and also hell. I'll just throw another one in the passing yards at 3,500. Like, Give me Teddy Bridgewater throwing for close to, if not 4,000 yards this season. And, and if you gave me the over under 4,000, I think that would be the appropriate mark. But look, we need to reach Teddy's ceiling this year. I mean, we, we've got him at least some experience. The offensive line doesn't look awful, even though there are some concerns. He's got all the weapons in the world. Yeah, give, give me all of the over on these lines on Teddy Bridgewater. The yards is the most comfortable one I am. Like he would have been on pace with the Saints to get close to, I believe, 4,000 yards last year. And he played 16 games. 3,500, absolutely, 23-and-a-half touchdowns. Give me the over on both of those. Listen, uh, there is no – I am sorry, Phil Snow, if you're listening. There is no iteration of this defense that is good. Like, I, like whatever happens on this defense, they are going to give up some points. And when you're giving up points, that means your your quarterback is throwing the ball a lot because you have to keep up with those opposing offense. So I think you're absolutely right, Walker. I'm taking the over on touchdowns. I'm taking the over on, uh, on passing yards. And I'm taking the under on CMC rushing yards, which is, I think, 1,220. Yeah. 1,220. I think Christian's going to get a lot of yards, but I think a lot of them are going to come through the air. And I, I think that when you look at what they're going to do with Mike Davis, uh, I, I do, I think, under 1,220 – um, I don't think he's going to be – I don't think he's even going to be really flirting with that 1,000. Eh, maybe he will. You never know. Like, he's got that breakaway speed. Sometimes you, like, forget how good he is at football. But, yeah, I mean, 1220 is a lot. Like, that's – he's going to have a lot of – he would have to have a lot of yards in order for that to happen. And real quickly, I mean, how hard is it for you guys to gauge what Robbie Anderson is going to do this year? I mean, for me, he's the hardest one to figure out. And that 775-and-a-half line – I don't know what to do. Like, that was the hardest one for me to decide. I'm going under with Robbie Anderson there, but I think he's the hardest wide receiver to gauge on this roster, in my opinion. But he feels like the first guy that his, his yards are kind of up for grabs. Like, every Anderson yard feels like it could be a Samuel yard in, in reverse it the same way. But, but with CMC and Moore, I feel like you, those guys are going to get theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, a- I just don't I, – you're absolutely right. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if he was way over. It also wouldn't surprise me if he was way under – and I think that it's – for me, it's like I'm just not putting – I'd rather just not be involved in a Robbie Anderson bet. <laughs> I'm sorry for asking. Yes, I just – No, no, no. <laughs> but I'm saying like – but it's – no, it's a good – no, you're it's – a, it's a good question because it's like I would rather just stay away from it and not have to worry about like, oh, that one went to Pharaoh Cooper? Oh, sure, Come on. Sure. <laughs> yeah, like – Sure. <laughs> and basically, on his career average, though, with the, with the uh, number of 775, you're looking at about – three three and a half catches per game that seems doable at his as, mm-hmm. you know career average so that that's not that crazy well and they've talked about using him closer to the line of scrimmage that he's not just this one trick pony you know I, I don't know what to think of that because he did play with bad systems in in New York where Adam Gase comes there and even even if we kind of like Sam Darnold if you don't whatever you think of him 
it's not been a successful offense. Yeah, that that's just the most interesting guy in this offense. Like people go to Curtis Samuel because it's time. Like people want to see Curtis Samuel actually perform and completely get that. He's not a wrong answer. It's just for me, Robbie Anderson is the one that I'm having the hardest time figuring out what he's going to do. Well, if yeah, Rob- and someone's – oh, sorry. I was just going to say someone's going to be a casualty in this offense because there's so many weapons and it can only go around so much. And if someone's going to be the casualty, to me it just seems like it's going to be him. Well, I was going to say I wouldn't be surprised if his, if his uh, yards are a little low, but maybe he actually leads the league – or le- not the league, leads the team or is like second in the team in receiving touchdowns where he, mm-hmm. he makes those kind of impacts as a bigger um, – type receiver real quick one question do you guys think the Panthers would be better off with Christian McCaffrey and Teddy Ridgewater or if they sign that new new Hopkins deal <laughs> just just curious yeah so so we don't get we have to give up both in order for for new I mean it's about the same price right about 27 wait, million. man always your your price always looks better two years later always every single time and in some cases apparently three but only takes three months well, I mean, look at look at that deal, and then look at Christian McCaffrey's deal. Like already, it looks so much better. I know they don't play the same position, but as offensive weapons, I think I'd much rather have CMC at his number. Wait till who's the next running back who's going to get a big deal? Cook, Zeke? Well, no, no, Zeke's paid. Camara, right? Camara, yeah. Apparent, you know, I mean that that could happen at any point, as it was reported, you know, I think yesterday or whatever by Adam Schefter. We don't know what's going to go on there. Oh, please screw this up, Saints! Please <laughs> screw this up. Just they let them have, walk. They don't have go a to the cap Jets in New Orleans, though, right? They could just do whatever they want. And that's how it is. Yep. yep. And uh, and they have uh, they have all the draft picks in the world too. They have all of the assets to work with. Walker, tell the folks at home where they can find you on the airwaves and internets and whatnot. Yes, thank you. You can tune in to 7.30 The Game, ESPN Charlotte, and also 97.5 FM. I co-host the Wake Up Call with Molly, and you can also listen to the podcast, uh, the Hornets podcast, Locked On Hornets. Find me on Twitter, at Walker Mail. You can find the podcast on Twitter as well, at Locked On Hornets. I appreciate it, Nikki. Thank you. Walker, who, who are they drafting number three overall? Should we have a quick Hornets corner? <sighs> <laughs> Give me the Israeli kid. Come on. No, that's who you Look want. Him. Let's go. Uh, Denny. If, yeah, if it's, I had to guess, I think LaMelo is the guy I would guess that they select because I think – Fun. Anthony, I think, yeah, it would be fun. Anthony Edwards goes one. I think Wiseman eventually goes two to Golden State. And I think LaMelo is just too good to pass up on. I, I, Denny is a good one. Like, I think that's somebody that has been linked quite a bit to the Hornets at number four as well. Um, I think LaMelo Ball, though, I, I, I think he's going to be the selection at number three. So, Ed, are you crying? Edwards is definitely going number one. Is that happening? I, no, there's nothing definite about this. Like, if this, Edwards goes before three and they end up, whoever they don't draft out of the Wiseman, Denny, uh, LaMelo is guaranteed to be an, a Hall of Fame star. Well, 100%. So, <laughs> probably going to the Heat. Edwards can't go number one, it has to be one of those three has to be available or all two out of those three have to be gone when they pick third and then just give me the third one. I'm buying the Jersey. It's happening <laughs> immediately. Uh, uh, I have myself talked into LaMelo ball for a week and I've already moved on from it. Like just the <laughs> idea that this guy has played basketball using his own script and only his own script for his entire life just makes me uneasy. Gross. He's, me- he's going to be terrible, but I will, <laughs> I will get so, I will sell, I will get so excited and talk myself into him so fast it's like when you draft a quarterback in the first round like it doesn't matter you're like josh rosen i mean look at the pff stats like the way that he could uh pay no Mm -hmm. attention to the fact that he's not a good leader 
Doesn't Who, matter. 2016 James Harden defense. Come get it. We've got it for you here. The number three pick. Have you seen a guy not give a damn at all? We've got him for you. Look at this silky smooth crossover, though. Come on. Oh, That's oh. He just he just shot that like Charlton. What what's going on here? It went into the stands. This is oh. awful. Yeah, no, pay no mind to LaMelo Ball's worse shot process than Lonzo Ball. He made a sweet behind-the-back pass, and that's what I want with my, with my third-round pick, my third overall pick. Yeah. Give me Denny. No. Get your, get your Ilyasova out of here. Get, take your Ilyasova. Take your Hizonia. Get He's him out Luka. of here. He's Luca. He's Israeli Luca. Yeah, like the Jewish Jordan. That worked out really well, too. <laughs> Josh, you have anything you want to plug? Uh, Denny at three, obviously. <laughs> um, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules. Actually, uh, if you've gotten this far, I've, you probably already do subscribe to the Riot Report, but you should. We put out a daily newsletter every single day. Uh, myself, Antoine, Zach, we kind of rotate through um, and, uh, and we curate the best in Panthers content for you every single day um, because uh, I know that, you know, sometimes you don't feel like clocking onto Twitter and seeing what's going on because uh, Twitter is the worst. And so you don't have to do that. We will put it for you right there in your inbox every single morning. Colin? How about Halliburton at three? And uh, if, if you're doing fantasy football, just Teddy B as a QB two. I think I, I think he's probably the most underrated quarterback in fantasy football this year. Got him on the roster. Already following the advice. People Boom. don't. People don't say we just talked about it. We all we were all bullish on all the numbers. So I think if you're you're looking for one fantasy football team tip, uh, a lot of people liked having the, the, the hometown quarterback get him as your QB two. I uh, also, if I can give out a quick fantasy tip, Chris McCaffrey, big things this year. So maybe, maybe look into that. Yeah, now, full, I, I full think only team. wide receivers matter in fantasy, I think. They may put out like 10 wide receivers this year. Like who knows? It may be just Teddy and all wide and Zilstra, huge year. Big year for Zilstra. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing an auction draft and I spend all my money on DeAndre Hopkins. So that's the only player I have in fantasy this season. <laughs> just like it happens in the NFL. <laughs> same thing we have football this weekend guys yes and whatever your, whatever your plans on whatever your plans are for week one everybody just be safe keep those hand washed just remember we are still in a pandemic world but enjoy this weekend this has been one day contract part of the riot network walker mail your one day contract is that that's great it starts with an earthquake i got wood if you're with me an airplane